This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVB Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. What's up, wrestling fans? It's Wednesday night, episode 125 of Top Rope Nation. My name's Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com. We're back here live on YouTube for the second week in a row, streaming the show live here. I'm here with Kyle and Justin. We're going to break down everything going on in the world of pro wrestling this week. We've got some big thoughts on AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling coming out of Wrestle Kingdom this past weekend we got some great in the news items i think to uh discuss and we're going to be giving away a free t-shirt for you so before we get to all that let me just see how the week's going over there for kyle ross in cleveland ohio kyle you got a drink poured i can hear tonight how is your night how's your week going Oof, it's going okay until brandy rhodes graced us with her presence <laughs> yowza <laughs> Quite the discussion in our uh, text thread tonight about that. We're going to be hitting all those topics. Uh, Justin Joint, across town for me here in the great state of Iowa, the wrestling capital of the United States. Justin Joint, what's going on? I am reeling. I'm just reeling. I don't know what to do with myself. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you guys and figure out this whole, uh, you know, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle leaving the royal family <laughs> thing. <laughs> Distressing news this afternoon out of the UK. I'm sure a friend of the show, Liam O'Rourke, is beside himself with what's going on over there. You know, isn't that the girl from Suits? I think so. I never watched it. Yes, it is. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I know she's uh, an sh- actress, yeah. Yes. Uh, a show where everything happened in two rooms. <laughs> it felt like. I felt like every commercial was just like, you know, there was that, they had that board room or there was a different room or the one person's office. Was that ever on after Raw? Uh, it must have been on after something, because that's when I would see the commercials. Okay. You were thinking of Silk Stockings. Oh. oh that was a good show. Yeah, that was a much more interesting show. <laughs> I would Silk think. Stockings with all my heart and soul. Back in the good old mid-90s, yes. Rob Estes was an absolute freaking beaut and a half. <laughs> Guys, if you're joining us here on YouTube tonight, you're enjoying the new live stream that we've been doing, and we're going to continue doing this each and every week, throw us a subscribe if you're already not a subscriber. We would greatly appreciate it. Give us the thumbs up on the video. If you're listening to the podcast feed after the fact on uh, Apple, Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, 
topropenation.com, wherever podcasts are found. Leave us that five-star review. Hit subscribe there as well. It helps us out a lot. Uh, you can send the show an email at topropenation at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're here live with us on YouTube, of course, just like last week, we've got the chat room going here. Uh, the chat room is embedded in the video stream that you are watching here on the page, uh, on your computers, on your phone, wherever you're at. So go ahead and let us know you're here. Let us know your thoughts on the topics that we are discussing tonight. If you want to support the show, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can head on over to patreon.com slash Nation, become a supporter of the show. You get bonus content, exclusive audio. You get a free gift for joining. You get shout-outs on the air. Patreon.com slash Nation, And an even easier way to support the show, if you're with us tonight here in the live stream, is to head on down to the video description, and you will see a link to our Streamlabs page where you can leave us a tip for this broadcast. You can you can tip us a dollar. You can tip us a couple bucks. Whatever you want to do. Think of it as buying all of us a beer if you want to because, damn it, we love beer. We love good craft beer. The tips will go back into supporting the show. And if you do so, a very special animation will pop up here on the video feed just like if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, you'll get a shout-out on the show live. There will be an animation that pops up on the video stream as well. So, uh, guys, with all of that said, I think we got the plugs in. We've touched base on how our weeks are going. I didn't even talk about myself. It's been kind of a whirlwind. Uh, I was covering NXT for comicbook.com live tonight. So I've been running around the uh, Top Rope Nation headquarters with my head cut off. It's been nuts here tonight. I got home from work. Road NXT, got the podcast ready, got the stream ready. So if I sound a little off tonight, I'm sorry. I'm going to try to power through, though, guys. I've got uh, I've got a good beer here. i got an Exile Brewing IPA with me to get through the broadcast. we got a lot of hot topics to hit. And with that being said, I think it's time to go to In the News. All the latest wrestling news. Get behind the scenes inside a rental. All right, so the Wednesday Night Wars, of course, continued this week. Uh, last week, it was a little bit different because NXT aired a kind of a best-of show, um, and uh, AEW won the night in the ratings. They had their first broadcast of the year down in Jacksonville, Florida, their uh, official headquarters, I guess you could say. This week we were head-to-head again, and uh, just right off the bat, let's start off with AEW because they're going to be kind of connected to what we're talking about this week in a major way. Kyle, what did you think? You kind of hinted at it in the intro. What did you think of AEW tonight? If it wasn't the weakest episode of Dynamite, it's on the short list. I think the first hour in particular was probably the worst hour of television they've done with back-to-back segments involving Brandy Rhodes and the Nightmare Collective and then the Dark Order. Uh, Brandy Rhodes, I don't know what to say. This was one of the single worst performances I've seen by someone on a national wrestling television show in a long time. Um, 
she came out for commentary, for those who didn't see it, for the AEW women's title match, immediately buried the match. Uh, was You know, and I know she's trying to get over as a heel, but it's someone who doesn't really know the right way to do it. No mm-hmm. offense to her. I'm just going to say that. Um, she's like, why am I even out here watching this match? You know, this is boring. And then, like, she was, like, mentioning, like, oh, Britt Baker looks like she'd rather be doing anything but watch this match. Oh, you know, you know she's really dumb. She, I don't even think she's really a dentist. And, and it was just, it was grating. It was, it was worse than most Stephanie McMahon. And for a company that claims to be alter, an alternative to WWE, you know, I know Stephanie McMahon is not generally on television anymore WWE, but um, you, you can't have that because it really was reminiscent of like the worst of Stephanie early 2000s. And then it like totally just ate the match alive, totally killed the segment dead. Um, and then you follow that up with the Dark Order. Not good. So it was hard to get back into the show. I thought the closing segment with Moxley and Jericho, uh, simple but effective. But, yeah, overall, I thought probably the worst Dynamite to date. Mm, That's disappointing because I I haven't watched Dynamite yet because I was covering NXT. But I did think last week's show was really good. I thought they – It was. uh, It was. Last week, they turned it around. I I thought that Dynamite hasn't been too exciting lately, (laughs) you know, to put it bluntly. But I thought it kind of turned a corner last week. So that is really disappointing to hear. Justin, uh, what were you tuned into for the most part tonight? Um, I missed a lot of it due to life stuff. Um, so really I just kind of caught the, uh, back half of the shows. Um, and I suppose I, I was a little bit more on, uh, <clears throat> AEW probably because I, you know, I, I felt like they might be building, uh, so momentum and I was very curious about what they're going to do with this whole Moxley thing. Um, which I thought for, a, for, a, for a moment there, I was like, wow, are they actually going to do something une- unexpected and interesting? And and they didn't. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I figured even if he was joining Inner Circle, it would be for a week. Um, but they didn't even, even let it breathe that long. They, they killed it right away. Hmm. See, I disagree with that. I thought that was like, you know, a couple weeks ago on this show, we brought up the idea of simplicity and yeah, it was simple and predictable, but it was the absolute right move to do. Um, I think the, you know, the five-minute curveball was what it was. But you know, it, it was Austin in the suit. That, that's what it was intended to be. Um, it, if anything, it, I thought I think it went on too long. Actually, the curveball. And, and see, that's the thing you say, Austin in a suit, but I don't recall Austin ever getting booed. Where the crowd really started shitting on Moxley. Which that's where I was starting to think, oh wait, we might have something here, you know. Let let this let this go for a while, or see, let it run. See, I'm looking at it the opposite. Like to me, I you everybody knew, and you, you alluded to, you knew what the end point was that Moxley was not long term going to be in their circle. So I think by letting it go, and like the only mistake in the segment was letting people believe that he might not, and like the crowd kind of turning in the segment. What what you want is the heels to be fooled, but the crowd to kind of be in on the ruse. And I thought that was maybe the only failure of the segment because clearly 
like you said, everybody knows what you're building towards. And I think you want to make that clear and not confusing. Yeah. And and maybe that's what threw me off because I, I really there for a minute with it dragging on. It's like they might have something here with, you know, teaming up kind of the former big WWE guys in this new promotion. And, um, but obviously that's not what they wanted to do. Yeah. It was funny. Cause when I was watching, I was like, God, I hope they don't drag this out. Like, I kind of hope they don't have him be in this group. Cause that's not what this segment really should have been. Like, I, I actually thought they would have, they, they tried so hard to swerve the crowd. I feel they lost the crowd slightly, but overall I thought that was, that segment was actually the best thing on the show. Um, and, and something else that needs to be said about AEW, you know, they were building to um, this whole thing with the Moxley and the offer of joining the inner circle, right? Well, earlier in the show with Brandy and then the Dark Order, they do these two, like, you know, offering people to join the group deals. And they were, like, really horrible. Um, you know, Dark Order offered Christopher Daniels, who refused. And it like kind of undercuts your main event angle when you're doing not one but two shittier versions of the same angle um, in the mid card. So I thought that was a mistake. Whoever laid out the show, that was a major problem with tonight's dynamite. What was the uh, the match of the night in your opinion? Like if if the listeners want to tune in to dynamite, if there's a must watch match, what would you say that w- that would be? A must watch match? Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of a tough call um i don't really think there was a must watch match what was the most entertaining match for you i don't i don't know like i mean i guess by traditional metrics people would say the opener with omega and page against private party um but i don't know how effective it was um overall um, I mean, I guess that, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I, I mean, honestly, other I, than the main event segment, I thought the show was completely skippable. I missed it. Was the, uh, the roads and, uh, uh, Lucha bros match. Not very good. It was okay. Okay. I mean, it was just like, I, it's not something I would, you know, with as much wrestling as there's out there, it's not something I would go out on my way to watch. Did you guys, so did you guys flip over to NXT much at all, or were you pretty much exclusively? Yeah, no, no I, I had two screens going. I watched both of them. Okay. Yeah, I thought NXT, it's a little difficult when you're covering the show live to really take it in. Sometimes I have to go back and rewatch some stuff, you know, because I'm I'm writing out articles, kind of summarizing what's happening, and I like to just be able to sit there and enjoy my wrestling and take it in. It makes it a little more difficult, but, uh, you know, from what I saw, it, it was a pretty solid show. You had that fatal four-way main event to determine the uh, North American title number one contender. Uh, the show started good. You had uh, Rhea Ripley coming out. You know, it's her first appearance since winning the NXT Women's Championship, um, their final show of 2019. She's, she comes out and almost instantly is interrupted by uh, Tony Storm, so a surprise appearance there. And I'm a little confused with what's going on there. By the time some of the listeners tune in, maybe they will have kind of explained this a little bit better. But uh, Tony Storm challenged Rhea Ripley to a match at When Worlds Collide uh, later this month. And 
uh, Ripley accepted. And Tony is wrestling for the NXT UK Women's Championship in a triple threat this weekend, you know, so she pulled the whole, I'm going to be a double champion and beat you. Well, then the whole segment broke down. Um, they got interrupted by Kaylee Ray. <laughs> they got in- interrupted by Bianca Belair. You know, so the NXT Women's Champion was actually there. Uh, Io Shirai came out. Candice LeRae came out. Turned into a six-woman match. And then later, NXT announced that they're going to have a battle royal next week to actually determine who is going to challenge Rhea Ripley first. And the release they put out, unless it was a typo, did not have Tony Storm's name on it. So <laughs> I'm not sure if they meant the first challenger after Tony Storm or if Tony Storm's not even in the mix, which wouldn't really make sense since she was, you know, the primary person in this segment and Ripley accepted her challenge. Um, not quite sure. I mean, it very well could have been a, a typo on the WWE.com article, but when I published it with the release on comic book, it was very notable that Tony Storm's name was not in the mix, but, you know, pretty much all the other women that interrupted on this segment were in the mix so well yeah i mean they announced i mean it's official on the when worlds collide page that storm and ripley are working so yeah i mean i guess you're right it is kind of well they advertised like the tweet said her first challenger well well clearly I guess her maybe... first challenger is tony storm then <laughs> uh yeah that's a good point i think it's mixed messaging yeah so that was a little confusing but uh yeah, I mean, she verbally accepted the challenge right away before all the other women interrupted. But uh, the crowd loved that segment, you know, to get Tony Storm out there from the UK, to get Kaylee Ray out there. It was it, you got all the you know the big women stars that aren't on Raw and SmackDown out there, pretty much in front of you right off the bat. Um, and then they started the Dusty Classic uh, during the show this week. Uh, the first one at Imperium, also a UK team, taking on the Forgotten Sons. This was. Okay, not much of a match, but Imperium won, predictably. Uh, Austin Theory was on here, got the win in the next match. And then probably this or the main event match of the show, Undisputed Era, Dusty Rhodes uh, tag classic match against Gallus, the UK tag champions. Uh, Undisputed Era won when Cole interfered, but that was a really good match. thought that one was really good. And then in the four-way at the end of the show, you had Damian Priest, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Cameron Grimes to become the uh, number one contender for the North American title. And I think, as you would predict, Keith Lee got the victory. You know, So no issue there whatsoever. Oh, yeah, there was also a Mia Yim squash match that I didn't mention over Caden Carter. So uh, Yeah, where Chelsea Green... Uh, Chelsea Green debuted, yes. Um, yes. Also, don't forget uh, Time Splitters in NXT. They did announce that. Yep, Alex Shelley is coming in to uh, team up with his former partner, Kushida. So they will be in the Dusty Classic as well. So that was a cool announcement. And, uh, yeah, Chelsea Green is in that uh, Battle Royal next week for the uh, number one contendership as well. That was in the release. So it sounds like from listening to you guys talk about AEW, I didn't see it, but from what you guys are saying, sure sounds like uh, NXT probably won the week this week. I'll be very blunt with you, and I know we're going to talk about you know, the kind of the big news item coming out of that show here in a moment. I thought Raw was better than both Wednesday shows this week. Uh, NXT, like, NXT almost wins by default. It was very much the solid yet unspectacular version of NXT that we get some weeks. You know, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, that was a takeover-worthy show. Um, this, that, this was not that. 
certainly. But it was okay. There was no like booking faux pas on the program. I think all the right people went over. You mentioned Keith Lee going over in the four way to determine the number one contender for the North American title. That was clearly the correct call. Mm-hmm. I think the correct teams went over in both Dusty Classic matches. Um, yeah, as far as that women's opening segment, yeah, you get a lot of people out there. I kind of over the whole, you know, multiple people come out to interrupt each other and that leads to a, you know, a tag team or six person match, but whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, NXT wins like just by default because AEW, I thought, particularly that first hour was actively bad. Um, but Raw was a better show than both Wednesday shows this week. Yeah, I saw Raw intermittently, but not the entire show yet. So uh, I'll probably go back through the Hulu version, as I've been doing lately with the uh, <laughs> the shortened time. But uh, um, let's let's transition to the CM Punk story, because I know we wanted to talk about this. This is the sure. one that uh, I think the first time I heard from you guys this morning, this is the topic that came up. So uh, The Miz was the guest on WWE Backstage last night, and uh, Punk not on the show. And... Uh, <laughs> Kyle, do you want to take it from here and, and explain what happened with the uh, Miz and the clip and CM Punk's response, or do you want me to read it verbatim? Well, if you've got it verbatim, you can go. I do. It. I do have it in front okay. of me. So basically, the Miz, like after the show, the WWE on Fox account put up a video of him. Uh, they said it was the best show so far, and uh, Renee Young and Paige were saying that when Punk came back, that was the best show. And Miz says, oh, sorry, I didn't change the culture. What a fucking legend. (laughs) Of course, quoting CM Punk from years ago. and uh, Or no, the first show back. Oh, he also said that there. I guess it's kind of his trademark line, but uh, yeah, he did say it there. You're right. And then we got Punk in a since-deleted tweet where he quote tweeted that and wrote, go suck a blood money covered dick, you effing dork. Saudi Arabia. Wasn't there a Saudi Arabia reference in there somewhere? Or no? Yeah, uh, blood, blood money, money covered dick in Saudi Arabia, you effing dork. That's right. The uh, article I was looking at didn't have Saudi Arabia in there for some reason, but I see the tweet below. Yes. So, yeah, that's what he said. Since deleted, but of course, when you're CM Punk and you got millions of followers... People screenshot it. It's kind of pointless to delete a tweet after the fact, but he did. It's gone. Uh, your thoughts, Justin Joint? Uh, I think uh, Miz comes out looking a whole lot better than CM Punk on this one, especially when you consider. Uh, I mean, he was already talking about how you know maybe building a bridge back to WWE, um, in you know whichever form that would take. But I don't know. It just it felt. Weak. I mean, he's you know picking at you know low fruit. I thought Miz's burn was much better and creative, especially since CM Punk hasn't done shit to change the culture. <laughs> Kyle, yeah, what Justin said. Um, uh, my thought exactly. Okay, if you're like an anti WWE person, you're like, ooh, he brought up blood money in Saudi Arabia, and look. We all know that that's a scuzzy deal, okay? Not the scuzziest thing currently going on in the Middle East, but it's a scuzzy deal nonetheless, okay? But, like, it just came across like CM Punk was gotten to, if you're familiar with that phrase. You know, it's like, dude, like, you know, Justin referenced the word creative. Come up with a more creative thing than that. Like, if you're the Miz, 
that was a really funny line to say. Mm-hmm. Like for his character. Um, like for Punk, it was just like, it felt like an overreaction. I'd say so. <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of like playing into these like dead biz narratives, I feel. You know, there's certain, you know, prominent wrestling writers, you know, who I think still kind of cling to these mi- these bad Miz narratives, incorrect Miz narratives. You know, people forget that talking smack promo we cut against David Bryan was absolutely phenomenal. I, I was just going to bring that up. What a God that, you know, he was able to get under uh, Daniel Bryan's skin like that and kind of the same kind of situation. Uh, and now with CM Punk, I mean, Jesus, I hope everybody uh, uh, appropriate, appropriately loves the Miz now uh, and, you know, before we lose them and miss what we had. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I'm I'm not going to say that 10 years ago I was a big fan of The Miz, but we've been super complimentary towards him on this program for years now. I mean, there was a couple of years there where we were very vocal about him being the best heel in the business. And uh, I agree. I do think that people that haven't been following the product much the last few years, which of course would include Punk, they don't realize how good this guy has been. And uh, yeah, so he's, he's way off base with that, but also he's off base with the type of language he used. Now, obviously he used really profane language, but I thought it was a little ridiculous. And this is me talking as a CM Punk fan. I'd like, I'd like to see Punk wrestle again. That he's using such, you know, homophobic language like that to use that kind of, that kind of wording, I thought was a bit odd for the straight edge superstar. You know, the guy that portrays himself on Twitter as being progressive. I thought that was a terrible choice of words. Did you guys note that as well? No, not really. I mean, like I said, I just, I just felt it was like gotten to. Like it was just an overreaction. Like, whoa, dude. Like. Like if you were sitting next to him mm-hmm. and he would say like if this if they were talking to each other instead of tweeting, mm-hmm. you know, and I was sitting there like I would have like turned to like punk and like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, I, I just thought I noted that I thought the the language and the specific insult that uh, he used was pretty poor. So yeah. that was disappointing as well. It, it, it just I don't know. It was just it, it, was, it was I don't know. It was almost kind of like embarrassing, too. It, it it came off as like if it you know if he wasn't straight edge you would assume that was a you know middle of the night you know been drinking for a while yeah that's a great point you're right maybe, yeah <laughs> maybe things have changed in the world of uh, Phil Brooks for all we know but uh, it, I thought that was a good line Justin had too when he hasn't changed anything you know like the irony of like you know I just changed the culture and like let's be honest like he hasn't really like changed anything. He's just said like very. He's he's taken a couple easy softballs that anyone could criticize and criticize that, um, but yeah, it's I, you know, come on. Now. All right. So the other news this week we want to hit on is the Brock Lesnar situation with him on Raw revealing that not only will he be in the Royal Rumble, but he will be entering from the number one position. So Kyle, you were very positive on this week's Raw. What did you think when you heard about this? It's interesting. I think like a lot of people, I immediately gravitated towards, okay, why are they doing this? And you kind of quickly come to the conclusion of, okay, this is going to be a setup because he's not going to win. That would be atrocious. 
Okay, that'd be like the worst possible thing to have Brock Lesnar go uh, wire to wire and win, right? And plus, I'm kind of sick of that gimmick anyway of guys coming in early and like from the one and two position and winning. That actually got overdone. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is going to set up his mania match where someone's going to throw him out. And that's, you know, how they're going to start that. Um, Kind of an interesting deal to speculate on. I know we're going to do that in a moment. Um, I know Justin kind of has pointed out some things off air where, you know, there's some logic gaps. Like, why would Brock Lesnar, the character, do this? And it's basically just kind of a means to an end where it doesn't make sense for his character. But WWE's doing it because for the reasons we just laid out, that they, they don't have any other ideas how to set up his Mania match. Hmm. It, it's it's lazy storytelling to me. It's like we we don't know how to set it up, um, and this is the only way we can think of. Even though this doesn't really sync with his character, this character who shows up every once in a while and wrestles a ten minute match doesn't really give a shit about anything, and now all of a sudden he wants to prove he can conquer everybody by wrestling a match that he would have to be in there for over an hour in order to win. It it just doesn't work for me. And, and, you know, talking about him winning, there isn't enough water in this world (laughs) to keep, to keep him hydrated enough to, to work an hour. Yeah. He would, he he would be like, there'd be like a new color. He would go from like purple to like (laughs) something, you know, like that we haven't even just a color we have not even named yet. (laughs) So, Let's just go to that right now. I mean, well, who do we who do we think is going to be the opponent, or who would you like to see the opponent? Because we've been talking about this off air, like you said, Kyle, and uh, and there's been reports about this that it would seem like it's going to be somebody unexpected, possibly from NXT. Uh, I I know oh. I have pretty firm thoughts on who I would like to see it be. Um, you well, guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, there's four names that I've seen bandied about by multiple people, and well, I'll just mention all four. Uh, the one that would be bad would be Cain Velasquez. Very bad. Very, just very bad. based on how ho-hum that first deal went. Um, now, I know Cain had a knee injury, but I, I don't know. If that was the case, then they should have just tabled it for a later date. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they, they just shouldn't have done it. I, you know, I know that. Again, you know, CM Punk, you know, Saudi Arabia, blood money and dicks were involved. But, you know, table it because it just made Cain Velasquez look real bad. Yeah. OK, um, so I hope it's not that. But I think it's a possibility. Um, I know a lot of people really want to see Matt Riddle. I don't think it's going to be that. Just because. That's just not something that. While to a certain segment of the fan base that would mean a lot, it's just to another part of the fan base it would mean absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So, could it be happen? Could it happen? Maybe. I love Matt Riddle, but I don't think that's going to be hap- that's going to happen either. I think it's going to be one of two people, uh, and both are raw guys. Uh, one is Alistair Black. Meltzer floated that name out. On Wrestling Observer Radio, I think either today or yesterday, um, I do. I know for a fact that Paul Heyman was pushing as of like eight weeks ago 
for Alistair Black to be Brock Lesnar's WrestleMania opponent. Hmm. So Alistair Black, I think, is in the discussion. Now, what's interesting, we talked about Raw on Monday. There were two guys back-to-back that were booked to look really impressive in their matches. Black was one of them, but he was attacked uh, by Buddy Murphy afterwards to set up a match next week. The other was Drew McIntyre, and I think that's the other name we need to talk about. Very interesting the last two weeks where all of a sudden he's a babyface. Yeah. Right? I mean, that whole post-match thing where he kicked Noe Jose's ass, even though Noe Jose is an alleged babyface, was clearly babyface stuff. You know, getting the crowd to count the three before the Claymore kicks. Um, McIntyre cutting the promo. I've never gotten a world title shot. So they clearly positioned him as a possibility as well. So those are the four names that I came up with. Okay. Pretty shocking turn of events from these masters of narrative, the, you know, the WWE writers. <laughs> the masters of narrative. I love that. What, what are your thoughts, Justin? Who would you like to see in this position or who do you think it's going to be? I mean, if I had to put money, I'd probably say Kane Velasquez. I, as much as I don't want to see that, um, I am one of those marks that would love it to be like Matt Riddle or Keith Lee. Um, I think it to me it almost has to be for some of this story to make sense. It almost has to be an NXT SmackDown guy. But then again, you get into the whole situation with the title belts and what brand they're on and whatnot. Um, I I could get behind McIntyre or Black. I, I I really could. Um, I just have some concerns with what that story would be and how they would tell it. Yeah. I could absolutely get behind uh, those two as well. I think those would both be solid matches. I could see them making it exciting. I think for me, yeah, the Matt Riddle thing, because they've got years of Matt Riddle calling him out, would be would be my top choice. Now, I understand that for people that aren't hardcore wrestling fans, the more general audience, they don't follow that kind of thing. It probably won't be as exciting as Kyle mentioned. Uh, but for me, that would be my top choice. If, if I'm just fantasy booking, Matt Riddle coming out would be awesome, but my my second choice would be Keith Lee, and uh, Keith Lee's a guy, we talked about this last week on the program, who I kind of felt when they did the NXT number one contender match that uh, Finn Balor won, that he should have won that week, because Keith Lee, as, as far as the men's roster goes in NXT, he's been as hot as anybody, and I kind of felt like they should have... Agreed. You know, they should have ran with that. They had a chance there. They didn't do it. And like we said earlier, he did win the NXT uh, North American number one contendership this week. But that's like a step down. I mean, this is a guy that should be in your world title picture. That's like, you know, going from the universal title to the intercontinental title. Yeah, I I do too. I do think that that's their way of course correction. That's like a very dumb. I think it probably is. But like for me looking at it, it's, it's still a step down. That it's very WWE too. I'm with you just from a psychology perspective. I hate when they take a, especially when it's a baby face mm. who's pretty hot and he like loses, you know, like a world title match or in some other kind of big scenario. And then he like then goes back to dominating the step below. Yeah. Like I just think that's kind of poor storytelling. An example of this, um, just to give the listener something tangible, 
would be like Rey Mysterio a few weeks ago. And I was shocked no one brought this up. You know, he loses the match to Lesnar. And then he like just wins the U.S. title not soon thereafter. That was a transition deal to Almas, and those two are going to have some bangers, which is cool. But I think that's just an example where it's like, we're, you know, you have a guy, here's a guy, he's going for the world title. Well, he loses pretty clean, too, as a babyface. And then he gets a U.S. title match, and he wins. It actually kind of makes the U.S. title uh, kind of shitty for any secondary title, for that matter. That's just me. I could be picking nits there. I don't know. All, all I heard was Dominic is eliminating Lesnar in the Rumble to set okay, up a WrestleMania match. You know, let's just, this is kind of a different tact to take with it. Um, one thing that I have not liked about Rumbles in recent years, and I think this is as they've, really it goes back even more just recent years, maybe even 15 years since Pat Patterson's fingerprints stopped being on the, in the match. It's been less segmented. You know, if you go back and watch a lot of the earlier rumbles, they were very segmented, right? Like they had different parts and you can remember, like if I bring up the 1994 Royal Rumble, the early part of the rumble, what do you think of the diesel put the diesel push? Okay. Yeah. You know, like, but like, but like that happened, but then it ended and then they went to like tell other storylines and, you know, like Luger, got some shine, Bret Hart comes in. There, there are different segments to the Rumble, and they've gotten away from that. And I don't, I personally don't like that, when it's just kind of like one long, continuous stream of guys coming out. Mm-hmm. I prefer the old way. I prefer the Patterson way. That's just me personally. And I'm bringing this up because um, with Lesnar, I think you're going to, you know, you're going to have it a little maybe more segmented where, okay, it's going to be the Lesnar show early on where he is going to dominate and then somebody's going to come out and you're going to have a good, you know, two minutes there. And then who knows if that's the guy who eliminates them or, or what, or if that guy comes out a few spots after I just, I prefer the rumble segmented rather than one long continuous stream of guys coming out if that makes sense yeah it it normally builds to two three or four moments and that's what it's about yeah i'm sorry sorry go ahead no no you go ahead i i I was just while you were talking uh another name sprung to mind that i'd like to see uh for lesnar and that's kofi if not biggie both those guys should be in the mix. I don't Biggie for sure is a guy who would not be a bad choice to toss him and be the match. I I, I have like no faith that it'll be Kofi after the way that the title change went down. I do think you do have to have Kofi get in the mix with him and at least get some shine. You know? Yeah. And I think that's actually going to happen. I would be su- surprised if that happens. Didn't happen, I should say. Yeah, I uh, I'd love to see Big E, but um, and the more I think about it, with the fantasy booking here, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, I, I still think Keith Lee. Well, Keith Lee might be my top choice actually, but e- either of those two I think would be ideal. But yeah, we'll see. So, an- another thing with Rumbles and what makes 
a rumble, you know, certain rumbles work and maybe others not as much is, you know, just the people that are in them, you know, the more viable people you have, the better it is. Star. This is not a match that succeeds based on work rate. Remember, it's just a battle royal, essentially. It's a match that works because of star power. Yes, Ric Flair in 1992 probably turned in the best individual performance we've ever seen at any Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> don't kid yourselves, folks. The reason that match worked so well was the star power. Go back and watch. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I bring this up because, you know, they're doing, what is it? It's 10 Raw, 10 NXT, 10 SmackDown, correct? Yeah. We should theoretically be getting the best of each show. Oh, yeah. I mean, you so, narrow it down to 10 people, I would hope yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you know, I, just looking at some of the names that were announced from Raw, oh, I'm like, you know, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to have, you know, some of these people where it's, uh, it's, you know, there's nothing worse than watching a Rumble where you get like three or four guys in a row or like eight of 10 even, which is like worse when you're like, this guy's got no fucking chance. Mm-hmm. You know, that that that's bad. Yeah. Uh, it's like 95 when like the Blue Brothers come out. Oh. You know? and, Vin- <laughs> and Vince McMahon, bless his soul, had the balls to say, Dick Murdoch's going to WrestleMania. <laughs> you mean we're not so going to he- get the return of Duke the Dumpster Drossy? I believe he was in that rumble as yes. well. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got fingers crossed for 9 and 10 this year being Jay White and Sean Spears. Don't fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> Don't you fucking start that. You put Kyle Ross, up- that'd be the you- best Royal Rumble of all time and you know it. <laughs> That was, you know, I, I I think I may have lost a friend, by the way, legitimately, by telling him that the, what year was that? Was that 2017 when Dillinger was number 10? Sounds and it, it was, right. He was still in NXT. And I was like, what a stupid, stupid thing that was. Just so a bunch of freaking marks can chant 10 while a bunch of people scratch their heads. The guy doesn't even come out or look important. And how mm-hmm. and how just business is exposing is it the guy who chants ten gets number ten? <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> so obvious. Dumb. Yeah. But Justin Joint was the one who put your boy, the chairman, Sean Spears, up to that tweet, wasn't it? It was you, Justin. <laughs> Imagine the inside track to uh we're gonna to talk tie about in this. Peyton's place. Yeah, I, I know we're gonna talk about a potential <laughs> NXT AEW uh business partnership here momentarily. But let me, t- I'll, you know, you, you want to know what a negative of that would be? A Sean Spears Jay White match coming to fruition. Good lord, <laughs> I couldn't think of a, I could not think of a worse match uh, to make in the year twenty twenty. I uh, think it'd be a terrific second match of the night, <laughs> and that's about it. Uh, as long as, as long as they give it less time than Kerry Von Eric Dino Bravo at WrestleMania Seven, I agree. <laughs> In the chat room, Larry wants to know, do we think Edge is going to be in the Rumble? Yes or no? That's been the rumor that's been out there. And Edge has pushed back on that pretty vocally. But Which, uh, of course, means, you know, that means <laughs> any time, you know, somebody put a WWE person pushes back on something. Um, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, because, I mean, that's that's an area where you you don't have to do a whole lot in the Rumble. You know, they could protect them. Um, obviously, you got to take a little bump to leave the ring, but uh, and they I, I, I always think where, where there's smoke, there's fire, and yeah, it it kind of seems to me like he's going to be doing something here in the next few months. So why not the Rumble? Although, again, I'm probably overthinking things. You know, with the ten Raw, ten NXT, ten SmackDown, 
this seems like a year where, you know, we need to go to Mean Gene Oakland in the event center. And we're going to get all 30 people named. Hmm. You know, not like the last couple of years where, you know, they don't even, you know, th- there are just kind of like these random NXT surprises. And we don't even know the 30 names. Hmm. So, you know, that kind of logistically would make it maybe a little more difficult for Edge. I don't know if they do an injury angle. and Edge just happened to be there that night. But, um, you know, logistically, that might be interesting. I, I do think as far as the where there's smoke, there's fire, Ryan, to borrow your phrase. Um, he's probably doing something soon. If, if it's not the rumble, it's, it's something else. Yeah. By the way, I love the old Me and Gene event center. I, that's one of the things I've liked. Um, AW on their YouTube videos, they kind of do that with Tony Schiavone. Yeah. You know that similar scenario. I used to love that as a kid. <laughs> that was that was like the highlight of the, the the old syndicated shows because you would actually like get you know some sort of like advancement because you need to have like your five squash matches. Um, maybe there would be an angle, but usually they they would run like a any you know something resembling a major angle like once every three weeks on those shows mm. um yeah the events are where you you learned about the matches it was so cool i used to like you know like especially for wrestlemania those are and you know they would announce like five or six matches a week man i would just like be like you know sitting on the couch shaking waiting for that to come <laughs> on and that classic wrestlemania music oh yes oh, not hell that yes. shite not that shite linda mcmahon used uh, you know in the 2000s I actually like that one too. They used that in the mid '90s originally. I think that was like '96, '97. The long form version with lyrics is very bad. That is, I I do have the album with that on it, and that is very bad. But the instrumental is not bad. I like it. Um, before we transition to the topic that we're going to finish on, the big topic that you see if you're on YouTube in our our header image here, Derek Strapel. Friend of the show, maybe the unofficial fourth host of Top Rope Nation. He's been on this show a number of times. Got a question here in the chat room. Uh, so to wrap this all up on uh, the Wednesday Night Wars this week, Derek asks, did Memphis make AEW look bad? Of course, the show emanated this week just south of uh, Memphis in northern Mississippi and South Haven. And uh, I don't know, because I didn't see it. I'll ask you guys, how was the crowd? Did they show any of that Memphis wrestling tribute that they had promoted, Kyle? No, they didn't show any of it. Apparently, it's going to be on AEW after dark. I understand that. You know, you're trying to do all this stuff in a two-hour show. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I talk about you're trying to attract new viewers. You know, as much as, you know, I love Memphis wrestling, I certainly know Derek does. Maybe that's not the best use of your two-hour time. I, the people who want to see that are going to seek it out on After Dark. So I didn't actually have a huge problem with that being relegated to that. You know, Dave Brown came out and did commentary uh, for the opening bit. You know, at 73 years young, he was certainly better than Brandy Rhodes in mm-hmm. that spot as the fourth wheel. So I, I didn't think the, I didn't think the crowd was the issue. I thought the booking was the issue. Certainly was nothing with Memphis. I still think that's bizarre, though, to advertise that. You know, they mentioned on the broadcast last week to not you're, show anything. You're right. Um, what they should have done, I guess, in hindsight, is just have that as the local advertising. You're right, because it was to advertise television, you know, TV-wise. It was like, you know, you know, an ode to Memphis. And other than Dave Brown appearing in a, you know, Lenny Poffo cup of coffee promo, 
there really was no ode to Memphis. They showed the guys, you know, at ringside, MJF insulting them, including the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant. What a absolute treasure he is. But um, <laughs> yeah, you, there really was it, for the show to be advertised as being built around that. And there really was not much. Yeah, you're right. If it was WWE, they would have been raked over the coals for it. Yeah. Before we get to the topic of the week, we're going to do this giveaway with the uh, T-shirt. So if you're in our chat room right now, you want to win the T-shirt, you need to be subscribed to our YouTube channel. So go ahead and do that if you haven't already. And uh, if you guys are listening on the podcast feed, you're missing out. If you want to join us live, stay tuned to the uh, Twitter page at Top Rope Nation. Or you can find out when when and where we will be streaming each and every week. Well, where will be YouTube, but when, that's kind of up in the air right now. Last week we did Monday night. We're here Wednesday night this week. But uh, we're going to do some giveaways like this periodically. And uh, so for those of you that are here right now that followed the instructions on Twitter, here is the trivia question to win the Being the Elite t-shirt I have to send out in the mail. The trivia question is, in 1986... WWF WrestleMania 2 occurred in three cities. If you're in the chat, give me the three cities and the three venues that WrestleMania 2 occurred in. And we will wait and see. Do you guys know the answer while they're typing it out right now? Is a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> I know you guys know the cities, but do you know the venues? Yes. Okay, Justin, do you think you could get this one? Nope. Ooh. I was pretty sure I knew it. I did have to double-check the venues just to make sure I was right, and uh, I was. So waiting on the answer to come in in the chat room. Uh, again, you need to be subscribed on on the YouTube channel. You need to be following the at Top Rope Nation Twitter account. You need to be apparently... Googling the answer right now. Derek Trapel, you don't know the answer to this right off the bat. Larry, I know you guys are out there chatting in the chat room right now. I'm going to give this a, a going once, twice, and nobody's winning the t-shirt if I don't get an answer here pretty soon. Yeah, move it to next week. <laughs> I'm, I might have to. If I don't get an answer in 10 seconds. I'm going right. to join in and win it right now. <laughs> We're going to try this again next week. All right, I'm counting it down. I'll give these people some time, you know, maybe. Doesn't Dead take that the, long to Google. It does not. We should know it by now. If you type in WrestleMania 2 on Google, the answer would come up by now. Okay. Uh, Larry says no clue. LOL. Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll try this again next week. I like Larry's honesty. <laughs> I think Derek's like on the can right now or something. I don't know where he went, but, uh, the, the answer is Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois, New York, New York. The venues were the LA sports Coliseum, the, uh, Rosemont horizon. Now the Allstate arena and the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, Derek comes in with the silver dome, Madison Square Garden, and that's all I got. Okay. What? Nope. Nobody got it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Guys, there's not enough live viewers right now. I, I, I see we have a few people watching, but uh, apparently the uh, the t-shirt giveaway is going to live on. So if you're listening on the podcast feed, guys, you could have easily won. You guys are probably kicking yourselves right now saying you knew it right away. 
I tried to give away a free t-shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees, and uh, you guys failed. I don't know what else to say. So we'll try it again next week. If you guys are in the chat room right now, tune in next next week, and uh, we will do this again. Okay, the topic of the week is Wrestle Kingdom 14. And By the way, WrestleMania 2 sucked. It did. It was awful. The highlight was the uh, 85 Bears involvement in the uh, Battle Royal. Yeah, there was a couple good tag matches. And the, 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 the uh, Bulldogs match, I would say. Don't sleep on the funks against JYD and Tito either. <laughs> Stop derailing us, Kyle. <laughs> so uh, the topic of the week, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Should they have a relationship? I think we would all agree, probably yes. Um, but coming out of this weekend, guys, I've I've watched more New Japan this week than anyone than any other company easily. I mean, they had three shows. I did yeah. watch uh, all of Wrestle Kingdom's second day. I saw the big matches from the first day, and I kind of skimmed through New Year's Dash. And I got to tell you, you know, I'm someone we've talked about New Japan in the past. I do like New Japan a lot. I felt like the excitement level with the company died down a little bit over the last year, but I am hooked again. I'm all in on this company. I enjoyed these shows so much. It was so fresh, and I saw someone make a good point somewhere. I don't know if it was on Twitter. I think it actually might have been the Observer Board somewhere, but they were saying that, you know, New Japan may have actually benefited by the elite guys leaving because they were such a focus of the show. And the show just feels a lot more balanced now uh, because, you know, not everything is about the Bullet Club. Not everything is about the Elite anymore. And, man, these were really good shows, and I really enjoyed them. And I'm I'm looking forward to watching all the upcoming New Japan shows more than I had been before. I feel like, um, like I said, it's just fresh, and uh, I really enjoyed the shows a lot. Kyle, I know you you tuned in a little bit, and you've got some thoughts on the two-day Wrestle Kingdom. Um do you do you feel like I do? Do you feel like New Japan is kind of on the up and up here? I you know, I think maybe the decline was overstated. I just feel like they lost. I mean, they 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 always put on great wrestling matches. We talked last week yeah. Will Ospreay I mean, wrestler of the year and everything, but I I just kind of felt like I don't know, they just kind of went to the back burner a little bit, but uh I'm I don't know. I, f- I feel like they're they're hitting their stride a little bit now again and kind of uh, coming out of the weekend I, hot. For what I watch that promotion for, you generally get out of it what you want. I feel like so. I I just I, I think the the decline was a little overstated. I, I tonight it's kind of funny. The shows were really good, but man. <laughs> If I were to, if somebody were just jumping out of the live stream right now and I said too long, too many title matches, they would think we were talking about a WWE show and see this program is objective. <laughs> and I feel that that needs to be brought up. I, I think those of us who were willing to entertain the notion of WrestleMania being a two day event. I feel less strongly about that after watching Wrestle Kingdom. I thought that was like one of the big takeaways for me. Mm-hmm. They do have a lot of titles. That is true. Uh, Justin, were you able to tune in at all to any of this? I was not. Um, but I, I do want to ask, is that, but they have a lot of like kind of, I mean, sorry, but filler three on three matches, even, you know, 
regardless of all their title matches. Like I don't, I think WWE be able to pull off a two night event better. The the problem is though that these promotions are so like or have this mentality that not that less is more, that more is more, and that's wrong. Like you do two day like to split up the time, but it's just it's just more wrestling. It's just too much. Yeah, I I don't think this is something that's going to continue. I think it worked out perfectly this this year with it happening on a weekend. Yeah, and and they wanted to build obviously, you know, to the double title match, so there was a reason for it. But um, I I don't know. I just I just don't think it's viable. Uh, if you were to do two three hour shows, if you could, if some promotion actually had the discipline to do two three hour shows, okay. But like. It's just it becomes excess, man. And I, I just I'm not as keen on the idea of WWE trying it as I was, uh, as maybe I would have been beforehand. Yeah, it, it is a lot to watch. I tried to watch the second night live, and I did watch about the first two hours live, and I was falling asleep. I, I couldn't do it. I don't know how these people in North America watch these shows live. But, uh... and, and, you know, I, yeah, and I wonder that, too, like, you know, because there were a lot of people who were saying that the second and it's like, I wonder if because of the time of day, if that has a factor mm-hmm. in it, you know, people are just kind of gassed. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how people do it either, man. Um and it's fine, you know, New Japan, its target audience, they're more willing to, you know, obviously stay up in the wee hours to watch a lot of wrestling. Or, you know, they got the, the, they're willing to just put in the time to watch all that wrestling. They'll stop it, come back to it later. Yeah, WWE, I, I just don't, I, I don't think it's the right call. Yeah. No, I would agree. Yeah, I, I watched the first two hours of night two live, and then the next morning I was kind of in and out trying to to watch the final two hours, avoided spoilers, watched all of that, and then I went back and uh, of course watched the uh, the night one like the bigger matches that uh, everyone was talking about, like uh, Ibushi and Okada, and uh, that was very good, really really good. I wasn't surprised at all that Naito won. One no, they, in the end. He, that was he needed obvious. to, and they had built to it. Yes. Yeah. What about and, Kenta being elevated to that position? Now, I love that. I was going to ask you guys that. I thought the way it ended was great. I mean, I thought Kenta's involvement that got me wanting to tune back in. To be honest, I thought it. I thought it ended on a high note. I actually liked all of that, and him, you know, standing over, sitting on <laughs> Naito at the end. I thought was was great. What did you make of it? Hmm. Should have been King Corbin. <laughs> that would have drawn some heat. Um, I don't know. Because, you know, there's an argument, like, again, if it's WWE, people would have said, oh, they didn't let the, ba- you know, the big babyface title win get room to breathe. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to draw heat. And I'm not as in love with Kenta as some people are. So Quite I, you know, I thought it was obviously it was derailed by injuries, but his WWE run was clearly well, forgettable. But... Yeah, but but I don't know. I mean, like this narrative, Kent is back. He's better, but I mean, like, I mean, what are we comparing it to? The WWE run like stunk. That doesn't mean like just because you're like 
better than that doesn't mean, you know, we need to like, you know, start like heaping, you know, oodles of praise on you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, guess, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was good. I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. I guess for me, it's like, I'm still wait. I still want to wait and see with, with him. You know, I, I think it all depends on, you know, how good that feud plays out, which is, I guess, true for any angle. <laughs> well, I, I'll say Kazuchika Okada for me is is still one of my top five wrestlers. This guy is amazing. Clear case for best wrestler of the last decade. Uh, yep. I knew he was probably dropping the title, so that wasn't disappointing as a fan or anything. But uh, always love watching him work. I know I was super disappointed when I went to a Ring of Honor New Japan show a couple years back and he didn't work it because I'd love to see him work in, in person. I know he was at the Mania in New Orleans that we we went to. Of course, didn't work it, but he was there. He was in the vicinity. Um, Stayed and, in my Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, someone I was fortunate enough to see wrestle at one point in time wrestled his farewell match. And then on New Year's Dash had the uh, like the retirement send off. I don't know if you guys saw that with Jushin Thunder Liger, but uh, another highlight. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. that was a, a definite highlight of the weekend. Absolutely of awesome. <laughs> What'd you say, Justin? Heard of him? Yeah, <laughs> we talked about it. You can check the archives on our Patreon page where we reviewed Super Brawl Two um, back on. Uh, God, when was that? How many months ago was that? It's been a few months, but it's in the Top Rope Nation Classics archives. Um, so you can check that out as well, as well as the first Nitro. But uh, I did see Liger wrestle in uh, 1999 at a WCW house show. Wrestled Psychosis. That's incredible. Psychosis. WCW house show here in Iowa in December of 99. I believe it was December 4th, 1999. So I, I do consider myself pretty fortunate to have seen Jushin Thunder Liger wrestle in person either you guys had a chance to see him during his career no not in person of course you were also less fortunate to have you know attended a december 1999 wcw house show (laughs) dude that house show actually was pretty amazing when i look back you know what the main event was it was bret hart and uh i believe it was bret hart and sting and flair and this is when bret was the wcw champion and I think it was Flair and Benoit in the in the uh, semi main too. I'll, let me look it up while you talk. All Flair and redacted, huh? Yeah. You know, I suppose that a 1999 WCW house show certainly has the potential to be a lot better than 1999 WCW television from that Russo era, because the performers are going to be left to their own devices. And you still had some pretty talented people under contract at that time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I can't. It was so long ago. It's kind of hard to find the results here. I can't remember. It was either Brett and Sting or it was Brett and Benoit. And then it was uh, Flair and Sting. It was, it was some combination. I know those four were in, in, the, in the two main events. I don't know. Not a big deal. But looking back, and Kurt Hennig was on that show too. So... Hell, that was a good house show, even though it was a pretty poor era for WCW. So he, he was doing the work. He was the henchman for the powers that be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm typing in WCW results, and I did find it the other night. I know I had looked it up, and uh, cannot cannot find it. even the history of WWE doesn't have. I was a lot just of... going on there. I was going to try to help you. I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was December fourth. 
99. Let's see. Oh, there it is. Okay, it was Benoit and Flair, Brett and Sting. That's right. Liger and Psychosis, Jarrett and Dustin Rhodes, uh, Hennig and Disco Inferno. Oh, boy. But, uh, I mean, a lot of big stars on that show looking back. Not not a bad uh, show. So, yeah, Jushin Liger retired. Um, and uh, obviously, as far as junior heavyweights go, probably did more than anyone to advance. Uh, did the divisions. Harris twins work that show? Were they creative so. control at that point? Uh, maybe. Yeah, let me see. Yes, they did against Jim Duggan and Chavo Guerrero. Yes. Oh my God! All right, I wish I was there now. Actually, I remember that because I think this was around the time Jim Duggan he's doing the cancer battle stuff. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. I don't know. I have some pictures from that show laying around here somewhere, but. Uh, Juice and Thunder Liger, best wishes. Uh, legendary wrestler, always there at the top of the list with the junior heavyweights. And, uh, and of course, his match with Pillman. We've raved about that one in the past. So what do we think about, to wrap this up, New Japan and AEW? Is it likely? Should it happen? Yes, I think we'd all agree with that. But do we actually think it is going to happen? Any thoughts on this one, Mr. Joint? What I'm curious about is who needs it more? I'd say AEW needs it more, to be honest. Yeah, I, I would I would initially agree, but with New Japan, you get some TNT exposure. Now, that's true, because they did lose their North American TV with Axis, who's you know with Impact now because of the ownership situation. Yeah, how about Impact trying to strong-arm its <laughs> way to a deal? Why, wow, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, New Japan no... just drew 40,000 in the Tokyo Dome, so they clearly don't need AEW. But mm-hmm. as far as their North American expansion goes, that's a good point. Yeah, it would help. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, New Japan does probably want a U.S. dance partner. I think we, we talked about this um, 10 months or so ago. You know, I think it was... Vi- apparent to anyone with a set of eyes that ring of honor was no longer um, worthy of being that dance partner with that their hideous uh, contributions to that mania weekend show. And then, you know, impact trying to strong arm its way to a relationship is just embarrassing. So it makes a lot of sense for new Japan. I think right now, AEW actually doesn't need it. And if they did or do, that's a bad sign that they've already got to go to that card. Because AEW, I mean, <laughs> Dynamite and this promotion is, is not very old. Right now, they need, to be a, they need to be kind of working through the kinks of their own roster. Let's, estab- let's make some stars. Let's establish some guys. This is something you should not need, um, what, three months after your national television debut? You're already like, you know, you, you need another promotion to come in to kind of spruce you up i mean that's that's not a good sign quite frankly um so i do think it'll happen down the line certainly the fan base wants it that's key it's something that you know the aw fan base would really want but i don't think you do it right away and i didn't see anyone mention this and we should go back to wrestle kingdom and bring this up so i know a lot of people were talking about the jericho tanahashi match and the stipulation were you a little disappointed that Jericho went over. Were you like kind of like, oh, I hope if he loses, then this 
relationship is a real thing. And then we're going to get, you know, Jericho Tanahashi on AEW. What was your feeling on that? I absolutely was disappointed. I, I, I will say that because, yes, it would have been a clear indication they were going to be working together. And that's what I was hoping for. Um, I thought when Moxley won the U.S. title, that was a good sign because I felt like, you know, it made sense for him to have that title over the summer because AEW wasn't going full time yet. And so, you know, he was kind of living out that dream of work in New Japan and everything. And then I thought when he won it back at this point in time, it just kind of seemed like Mm -hmm. that might be a sign that something's progressing because why put that title on him right now? You know, um, but then when, yeah, when Jericho won, I, I was pretty disappointed by that personally. And I thought, you know, Jericho's comments about, uh, you know, what he said about AEW working with New Japan was a good sign, though. And he aftermath. referenced Wrestle Kingdom on the show tonight. Did he? Yes. He said, we all won our matches at Wrestle Kingdom was the okay. line. Um, yeah, I'm going to actually, if you guys want to stand by, I'm going to play the comments that... Uh, Jericho said about uh, AEW working with New Japan. Put aside aside all the hurt feelings. Put aside all the egos. Put aside all of the issues and politics and concentrate on great wrestling matches and big business. I haven't been doing this at the highest of levels for 29 years as what some people say the greatest of all time because I'm a stupid businessman. I can see the amount of money that we could make together with AEW and New Japan, both here in Japan and in the United States and Canada and England and Australia and all around the world. So even though I beat Tanahashi tonight, I would be more than willing to wrestle him again anytime. And I would be more than willing to give him an AEW title shot and Okada, and Naito, and Suzuki, and Ibushi, and Osprey. So there's the comments that he made, and uh, as you guys heard, hopefully the volume wasn't too low, I'll adjust on the podcast if it was, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's saying even though he won, he's still willing to put the title uh, up on the line against Tanahashi, and to work Naito, and to work Okada, and Suzuki, and so on. Ibushi, he mentioned. Yeah, he, he says, as a businessman that he can see the money they can make together. That's the uh, obvious point. And uh, I think the reason I said that I think that AEW needs it is because they're in this situation where, you know, whether they want to or not, they are competing with WWE. And so far, you know, they're neck and neck with NXT. And they are doing better ratings probably than than uh, TNT expected. They're doing good in the demographic ratings and everything, but I do feel like this could bring some more excitement, you know. Kyle, you mentioned the show was not good tonight. And there's so many dream matches they could put together and it just kind of feels to me and this is someone who, you know, I am going to their their next pay-per-view in Chicago at the end of February and I like watching AEW, and I would actually prefer to watch AEW versus NXT because it is, to me, it's more fresh on Wednesday nights. But I, d- I do feel like the product, save last week where they kind of, I felt like they turned it around a little bit, has been languishing a little bit. And I just feel like this opens up so many doors and so many different matches they can do. And they don't have to do them all at once, and they could scatter them out over time and everything and just bring in a guy or two every few weeks. I, I just, I can't help but feel like, 
AEW needs it more. But uh, I'm glad you brought up the pay per view in Chicago mm-hmm. because this is what I wanted to get to. And I said I when I said I hadn't seen anyone bring this up. Let's say Jericho lost to Tanahashi. Okay. Is the potential for a rematch then overshadowing your next pay-per-view if you're AEW? Because all people are going to be talking about is this relationship now. And AEW with quarterly pay-per-views and you know charging, you know, 50 bucks you can't have you can't afford to have people like look kind of look and die one of your pay-per-views. And I thought you know, when this whole deal was, you know, like you, I was a little disappointed too when Jericho lost, but I was like, oh man, if they do this deal, are people all of a sudden going to be looking past the pay-per-view in Chicago because they just want to see AEW versus New Japan? And that's not something you would want if you're AEW. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I did not see anyone bring that up, and I, I just thought it was something that was absolutely worth thinking about from the AEW perspective. Well, I was I was hoping that that match would happen in Chicago, personally. Okay, well, I mean, I I, I had just figured they had Jericho and Moxley on the books already, um, and, and that was kind of a lock, and I I assume it still is, um, certainly after tonight. Well, after tonight, you know for sure, but we didn't we didn't know for sure where they were going with the yeah. Moxley storyline. It would seem that he would turn it down and everything, but. Yeah, I guess selfishly, I was hoping I was going to see Tanahashi and, and Jericho for the title in Chicago. Not yeah. to be, but uh, yeah. Very well, selfish comment by you. By the way, I'm going to AEW in two weeks or three weeks. Oh, nice. As they come to the Woolstein Center, home of the Cleveland State Vikings. Very nice. Where, are you got pretty good seats? Or? They're okay. They're okay. <laughs> They're okay. It, it, there's not a bad seat in that building. It's, it's a pretty small building. Um so Cleveland State plays in the Horizon League. That's small. That's a little smaller than Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. They're in the same conference as UIC, if that helps you out. Yep, Illinois, yep. Chicago. Yep, yep. Well, uh, I'll be looking for the Top Rope Nation shirt in the uh, audience, Kyle. I will. Yeah, I'm, I'm, getting good, I'm getting in good shape, too, quite frankly. Nice. All right. Well, I think with that said, guys, let's take it to match of the week. Kyle, I know you got something on deck for us, so let's hear it. Oh, yeah, deep dive of the week. Uh, let's talk about it. So um, I don't know how much. I guess that's something we're going to talk about off air. I you know, love talking about the history of this great sport, obviously. You know, I with the Royal Rumble coming up, I, I think it'd be a good idea if we maybe kind of talked some Royal Rumble memories on this telecast. Who knows if I can strong army boys into doing that. But um, at some point before the Rumble, I'm, you know, kind of like I did for Survivor Series, I'll be talking favorite matches. I'll come up with a list. Uh, one that did not crack the top 10, but is certainly in the spirit of the deep dive in that it is a very good underrated match uh, from Royal Rumble in years past would be Undertaker Rey Mysterio world title match from 2010. A big man versus little man babyface versus babyface match that was very smartly worked. I encourage everyone to go out and watch that if they have not seen it. Hmm, man, I... I faintly remember this match, but I definitely haven't seen it since it aired. Justin, any any memories of this one? I got nothing. I was out on wrestling at that time. Yeah, I that's one I'm gonna have to re rewatch for sure too. Cause uh, yeah, I don't remember it at all. But I know that 
Rey Mysterio. Oh, I remember it, but not very clearly. I know that Rey Mysterio is uh, still working a pretty damn high level in 2019, though. So uh, you go back and you watch him in 2010, and there's not much of a difference. Yeah. This guy is, and that like, was, ageless. Yeah, that was a, a reason, too. Brought it up. You know, the guy's still having, yeah, 10 years later, the guy's having great matches. So yeah, that's often. Okay, very nice. Check it out, listeners. If you've got any comments on that, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation, topropenation at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, YouTube as well, youtube.com slash Nation. So if you guys want to join us for the live cast next week, head on over to the YouTube page, subscribe, and uh, we'll do another giveaway, and hopefully someone will actually get the trivia question right this week. I know some of you listening on the podcast were probably kicking yourselves because you knew the answer right away and you could have had that free t-shirt, but we will try it again next week. All right, so uh, guys, with that said, I think that pretty much wraps it up here with episode 125. Any uh, parting comments? Any big plans for the weekend, Mr. Joint? Uh, no, I'm going to finish up uh, the uh, greatest events of World War II in color on Netflix. Oh, yeah. very. I, I can appreciate that as a history teacher. Kyle? I was going to say something about wars and oh, why would it no. have been. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be World War Three in color. Uh, <laughs> Greatest yes. moments. In 4K. All right, guys. Well, with that said, I'm Ryan Drosty here for Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. We'll check you guys out next week with episode 126. Take care. Peace. Peace.